Uh, I know I'm, I am privileged and I am deeply honored to not only worship with you all this morning, but open God's word with you. Uh, but th- I think there's some strategy in that a little bit uh, on, on Kyle's behalf because I preach a little bit shorter and we got to cook out next. Uh, so well, I give you some space. He's loving on me. I'm jabbing at him. It works great. Uh, But as you heard, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Joshua chapter 10. That's where we're going to be at this morning. And uh, if you have been here and you've missed some weeks or you are new here and you haven't been here at all, I want to welcome you again uh, back. I'm thankful that you'd be here. And if you to kind of catch up from where we've been, because we are in chapter 10, I would encourage you to go online. Uh, You can go to our website. You can go to the app to to watch the sermons. Or if you're a person who rather listen to them, it is on Uh, Spotify and Apple Music, all those different things, you can find our campus and listen to the sermons to catch up. So I would encourage you to do that. But to set up our text this morning out of Joshua chapter 10, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had an experience or an encounter that was so remarkable that it left you speechless? That left you speechless? This could be a trip that you went on. This could be uh, a a sight that you saw or an experience that you had or anything else in between. And as I began to mull over this question, in mind of the text for myself, it took me all the way back to 2017 with the total solar eclipse that took place. Now, I don't know if some of you remember that. If I'm honest, I forgot about it a little bit until me and some of the staff guys started talking about it and we landed on that, that thought here that on August 21st, the total solar eclipse that came across Middle Tennessee. It was a, a, an amazing event. Uh, our seemingly mild town with people-wise turned into a hopping town with a bunch of tourists trying to see this uh, a total solar eclipse because the, the path of totality or the path that this eclipse was the clearest came right across Middle Tennessee. So there was hotels were booking up. There was souvenirs that you could buy lining the streets, all those different things. My wife and I even bought those little like solar eclipse glasses because they, they were super cheesy, but we were like, this is cool. We're never going to forget this. And now we can't even find the glasses. Uh, so it's just kind of a waste of money. But space is something that I'm not normally ooing and awing and intrigued by. But I knew this was a special event, and I may never see something like this again in the totality of my life. So I made sure that I wanted to see it. So we and a bunch of people got up on the, the auditorium of the Smyrna campus to watch this event take place. We were trying to get to the closest we could to it, to see it. Uh, but we got up on there, and we began talking about what just took place. We weren't stunned at the darkness that fell on our city at 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon for a brief moment. Uh, we weren't stunned at the total eclipse, but rather we came to the conclusion that we were amazed at the power of God that was before our eyes the magnitude of God that we just witnessed. And this morning, as we pick up in Joshua chapter 10, we're going to look at another event that is seemingly shocking to the world. It not only reveals to the world, but to us as well, how big of a God we serve. So Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 1. And I know you just sat down, but I would encourage you, if you are able and willing to stand for the reading of God's word. Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 1, we will read through verse 14 together this morning. Joshua chapter 10, verse 1 says, As soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai as its king, as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon 
had made peace with Israel and among them, and were among them, he feared greatly. Because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors, so Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Ahoham, king of Hebron, to Param, king of Jarmuth, and to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, and the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country were gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord, uh, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with the great blow at Gibeon, and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth-Haran, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makedah. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth-Haran, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. In the book of Joshua, what you tend to find is really this back and forth kind of pattern. Joshua will state something that's take place. And a few chapters later, will recall it and explain it in its totality uh, in the newer chapters. At the beginning of chapter 9... We were told that Achan sinned against the Lord at Jericho and the people were routed at Ai. The pagan kings in the promised land gathered together as one to fight against the people. Joshua then decides how, or or excuse me, Joshua then describes how the Gibeonites deceived them and they became a covenant member with Israel. Now in Joshua 10, Joshua is really unpacking what exactly is beginning to take place as the Gibeonites are in the new covenant with these pagan, uh, pagan gods. Our text tells us that the king of Jerusalem was fearful. He was fearful because he received word that Israel had dropped the city of Jericho, burned Ai to the ground, the, 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 the walls had come crumbling down, and, the, and they made peace with the Gibeonites. Now, Gibeon was not only a great military asset, but because they made a covenant with Israel, they now controlled all of the land on the doorstep of this king. And with this reality playing out before his eyes in the rap sheet of what he's just heard about, the king decides to reach out for help. He cries out for help, and he finds help from four kings southwest of Jerusalem. And they formed a coalition to go against the Gibeonites. Gibeon gets word of this plan, and they decide to pull this get-out-of-jail-free card. 
because they are uh, covenant members with Joshua and Israel, he calls out to them and says, no, come to us quickly. Help us. We are in danger. You said you would protect us. Now it's time to actually act upon that covenant. And if I'm Joshua, I'm probably beginning to think about the fact that they deceived me. They were supposed to be devoted to destruction anyways. And now there is an opportunity for them to be destroyed. Joshua, I would assume, begins to reel over and think about the fact that he really could hit the eject button on this covenant that he made with them. But I think Joshua shows us something about godly character here. Joshua wasn't looking to get even. He was looking to honor God. Instead of looking to get out of this covenant, Joshua rather leans into this covenant that they formed. And I think this is truly, truly an important lesson that the world needs to see through the life of the church. Think about it for a moment. Some of the most difficult things to find in our society right now is trust, honesty, honor on doing what you said you would do, being committed when you are committed to something. These are harder to find in our society than a good deal on a house. The value of marriage is often deteriorating and covenant membership is, uh, is diluted at best. Think about it this way. We used to simply shake hands to make a covenant with somebody. And that was it. What you talked about after the shaking of hands took place. But today we have legal documents that are as thick as phone books in hopes that someone would stay committed to something they said they would do. Needless to say, we have lost the value of a vow. 